0: Thanks for being here this morning, Stephen.
2: Thanks for having me. Always happy to talk about state government.
0: Absolutely. So take me through it. As far as you know, now that the state house is tied at the one hundred and one uh, to one hundred and one because of uh, State Rep. Sarah Inamorado that who I had talked about. So she's going for a different job. Now mm-hmm. they're tied up again. So this adds another wrinkle to this. How does it help or hurt? What are you seeing here?
2: So I I honestly, and and I think it's like the reason that she resigned is because it probably won't mean anything. Uh, And and I say that because I had been hearing mixed rumors about what uh, Inamorata would do in the months and weeks leading up to her eventual resignation last week uh, she had told me repeatedly that she planned to stay in for as long as she could uh and i should know too there was another democrat representative john galloway in bucks county who's running for a local judgeship So there's two democrats who need to who will no longer be state representatives after you know if they win local office and galloway is basically guaranteed because he's a democrat republican on the ballot but anyway that tangents to say that so there was this like uncertainty over these races. And Ron told me she wanted to stick around. She also there told me like, you know, at one point that, you know, it could change depending on what's for the good of the order uh, was kind of the way she put it. And then, uh, you know, last week she decided to step down. So, I, Everyone's been kind of quiet on this, but my gut read from a handful of conversations has been just what that means is the House knows they're probably not coming back until September uh, because the, why, you know, House Democrats still like like Joanna McClinton's is still the speaker. She's a Democrat. And she, you know, you have no incentive to bring the chamber back when it's tied and then see, you know, and, and worry about all the chaos that could have. And their next date uh, when they return to Harrisburg is scheduled for mid-September or at Late September, late September, I believe it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, September 26th. And the special election just so happens to be taking place a week before that. So, you know, the, the best way to read it is that. The House Democrats and the House knew that, like, they don't have much else that they plan to do before then. And, uh, you know, they could get the special election done. They could replace one of the members who might have to resign uh, were in Marauder to win her race in Allegheny County for county executive. And then that person's replaced. And then, you know, when when Galloway wins his judicial seat, he can resign. And, you know, they're never going to fall below they're never going to fall into a complete majority, it'll just be tied. And they'll figure out how to muddle through those the sixty days in between when they can call a special election or not.
0: And so on the other hand, could this be seen but I mean I, I know some have seen this as a possible pathway for Shapiro to get something done and because mm-hmm. it's tied, they really just what do they what do they really need here to get you know bipartisan support one or two democrats to go for that school voucher program for example that would give the low income kids and the the kids in the worst some of the worst performing school districts like here in Philadelphia that would give mm-hmm. them a chance to go to other schools is there a possibility that this opens up a pathway a new pathway for that to happen
2: um I- I don't I don't think so and it, it runs into the same issue that kind of is dominating this budget impasse which is that the ability to get the House or the Senate to return to Harrisburg falls entirely within the hands of in the House it's the speaker Joanna McQuinn a Democrat or in the Senate it's Kim Ward the Senate president pro tempore who is a Republican. So, like, it's for the same reason that, you know, the, the reason we're kind of in this impasse right now is that, you know, the, to go all the way back, it's just, you know, the Senate passed the budget. It's $45.5 a $100 million of those dollars is for school vouchers, the program you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for the lowest performing schools. Uh, it's a special line item with the hope that the money then won't come out of school districts. It's like a new line item within the budget that passes the senate uh with the support of the entire republican caucus of one democrat anthony williams from philly and uh it goes to the house where house democrats said you know there's a lot of skepticism school vouchers are of, like they've almost become a cultural issue at this point there's big money on both sides of this issue and democrats get a lot of money from teachers unions uh you know uh private school advocates they give a lot of money to the republicans so it, it's just this it's this big politically tricky issue. And Democrats in a majority said, we're not going to vote for this. So they managed to get a promise out of Shapiro that he's going to veto that money that he himself has advocated for, as you noted, set it on the campaign trail he'd support. They passed the budget. And then there's this tiny little procedural motion that normally no one thinks about, where each chamber's presiding officer signs the bill. It's basically just the Constitution requires it. It's not like, you know, the signature that makes it law. It's just meant to be like, a, yeah, this is the bill we passed send it to the governor's desk the house did that the senate hasn't convened though to give that signature on it and they also are not scheduled to turn until september so i say all this of like you know when it comes to whether the house would convene to potentially pass a a bill to enable that school choice spending or the senate reconvening to sign that budget bill that has passed both chambers of majority vote and get to shapiro's desk so he can you know get all the money out uh it, it all comes down to the it requires the legisl- that, that speaker the joanna McClinton, or kim ward in the senate the Senate president pro tempore mm-hmm. to make that choice to come back to harrisburg and so far uh you know we haven't we the only sign we've seen is that maybe kim ward will return but my gut is uh, I, I don't believe the house will return when they're tied 101 101
0: okay uh, yeah so i i know there are so many you know holding out hope and um mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a bummer. It really is for that that program. It sounds like, though, from some of their statements, as if they're willing to try to find even more money for some of these worst performing schools for the kids in the poorest districts. I, mm-hmm. I infer that I don't know if you did either from what um, Senate Republican uh Senator uh, Kim Ward from from, you know, mm-hmm. one of her statements where she talked mm-hmm. about. She used the word like further modifications, mm-hmm. and they need to further examine ways to streamline services, and they're going to explore that. She talked about a holistic approach. I just wonder if mm-hmm. maybe they're looking at something else, and I don't have insight to that. I didn't know if you did either, but some of the language being used, it feels like maybe they're, they're going to try another avenue.
2: Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I can't say the specific conversations, but what I mean, I think broadly, what a lot of this comes down to is, you know, there was this court ruling in February that said the state was not funding poor districts enough. That that poor districts, in uh, our in our system, you know, it's property taxes, local property taxes, and also state funding. And if you're in a poorer district with a poorer tax base, you don't have as much money, and that they weren't getting enough state funding. That was answered by Republicans and who control the state senate saying, okay. Yes, but we also can't just throw more money at. We should change our education system. We should expand school choice. We should have more accountability. Uh, House Democrats and, and, uh, you know, public school, uh, you know, teachers unions and advocacy groups, they said, uh, you know, maybe, but, like, we also should put way more money into our education system because we have the money. The state has about $13 billion or so in in excess uh, money built up during the pandemic because of all the federal, you know, there's so much federal money being thrown at states. Pennsylvania just has a lot in the bank account um, that 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 isn't been used. So that kind of fundamentally became the debate of like, you know, how do you make changes that'll make Republicans happy uh, to then spend enough money that'll make Democrats happy? So I think that's a conversation that's ongoing. And I'll say on, you know, when it comes to vouchers, when it comes to charters, when it comes to school choice, uh, there there are Democrats who've been supportive of this, uh, particularly Philadelphia Democrats. You know, uh, uh, Jordan Harris, uh, one of the top Democrats in the Pennsylvania House, has been a a pretty strong ally of school choice so it's not that this issue doesn't cleave uh parties i think it's just more of the way it happened took house democrats by surprise like shapiro talked about on the campaign trail but the reason it was in the budget is he sent this letter in late june just sort of reminding everyone like hey i do support these scholarships and then uh Senate Republicans said, absolutely, we love the sound of that. We're going to put it right in the budget, and we're going to pass it. And House Democrats were just left feeling like, okay, that's great. We might be willing to put up the votes for this, but you know, they've passed a bunch of bills out of the House that the Senate hasn't taken up on minimum wage increases, um, stricter gun laws, stuff like that, that have kind of gone there to to, to not move. And, and you know, this mm-hmm. is divided government. This is what I think... It, it, it's not everyone's going to get what they want. And I think House Democrats just felt like they, you know, they'd be willing to maybe do something, but they didn't get anything they wanted, uh, particularly. So I, I think this is just sort of the teething troubles of divided government in Pennsylvania. And we're we're just living in the middle of it. I, you know, I will say Kim Ward has said that she this this week, she actually said, I know, I'll, I think I'll bring the Senate back. We don't want to leave Pennsylvania's hanging. Because if this budget, cause like I said, there is this budget that's passed just waiting on that weird little constitutional requirement of the signature. Without that signature, it can't become law. And uh, then, and if there's no budget plan at all in law, uh, you know, the the, well, the Shapiro administration said that there's at least $5.9 billion in education funding for like pre-K, library, school districts, et cetera, colleges um, that, that won't go out. Uh, just in August as school years are starting. So I think there's, you know, some pressure on Senate Republicans also to act and make sure that budget gets to Shapiro so he can sign it, which he said he'd do. And then everyone can come back in September and figure out what is our path forward. Uh, You know, what that looks like, I think, is still very much in the air. But that's that's divided government.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're talking to Stephen Caruso, who, of course, Knows all the insights and covers on the inside, um, Pennsylvania for Spotlight PA, the, the our capital Spotlight PA reporter and chief over here. And you've got all the info. I know that uh, you had focused on and, and highlighted an article that I wanted to ask you about, and that was something mm-hmm. else that had gone on in the Capitol, the issue of uh, so-called clean energy and hydrogen. And I know it's a colleague, mm-hmm. a colleague of yours at the Spotlight PA. But I thought that this is a fascinating issue, and you had talked a little bit about it, Stephen, that we mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania are competing for all these billions of dollars to build hydrogen hubs. And mm-hmm. the question, uh, you know, would that really be green? Can you just highlight that article that was, um, I know that it was explored more by your colleague, Kate, but I just thought maybe mm-hmm. you could talk about it a little bit.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I'm lucky to have some great colleagues. Kate Holmes is <laughs> one of them. She did this great story. Uh, so basically, uh, what, what, Hydrogen Hubs refers to this idea of, uh, I mean, the way the way it's been described to me, because I've done some reporting on this, too, is that hydrogen is like an energy. It's like a battery, like it's a way of storing energy and it's going to be as green or as not green as the energy that goes into it. So Pennsylvania obviously has a lot of natural gas uh, and that there there's I think the main debate is, you know, will Pennsylvania's hydrogen if we got a hub which is this is stuff the federal government's been pushing biden included a lot of uh, federal funding within i think it was the infrastructure bill or the the inflation reduction act uh to, to just try and kickstart start hydrogen and obviously it's supported by the building trades It's supported by a lot of industries as a way to try and you know tackle climate change create jobs etc but environmentalists are concerned because of that aspect of hydrogen being like a battery that if you're just putting in uh still a carbon intensive Uh, you know, uh, from natural gas or, you know, or, I mean, I haven't heard anything about coal, but particularly natural gas, you know, hydrogen might not be as clean as everyone says it could be. So that means, you know, you might need carbon capture attached or, you know, what about nuclear? What about windmills? What about solar? There's also like more uh, other, there's lots of ways to make hydrogen. So if that's kind of the back and forth that we're seeing in Harrisburg. There have been a lot of closed door private conversations between, I think, you know, all the stakeholders So we are talking about trade unions. We're talking about, you know, natural gas drillers. We're talking about, I mean, other, a lot of other energy companies and obviously lawmakers, because once you have all those stakeholders at the table, everybody wants jobs. I mean, I don't think there's a single lawmaker who runs on a platform of I want fewer jobs. Uh, it, so it's just sort of a matter of hammering out the details on this to uh, 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 that let everyone feel like they can walk away for win, and those conversations are still ongoing um you know there I heard some chatter that you know we could see an energy bill, but frankly there's always chatter we could see an energy bill or Pennsylvania, where I think the third or fourth largest energy producing state in the whole united States uh you know it, it's hard on these thorny issues to get everybody in the same place and move a bill, but that is why we elect people. <laughs>
0: What else What else interests you in the Capitol? Are they getting anything done as far as are, what are they agreeing on? Because a lot of times we focus on, and obviously the budget is a huge issue. I don't mean to downplay it, Stephen, yeah. but they do get a lot of things done and actually agree on most things. And sometimes there's a perception because of what the news media focuses on, which are the more divisive issues or just the big top headline issues. But can you take me through, you know, at least one, one issue that you felt had bipartisan support that was passed? And I, I kind of wanted to end on a positive note here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, I'll do my I'll, I'll do my best. Look, I, I do just want to say, as because I do have to put on my cynical reporter hat of that. Not a lot of bills are, have been signed in the law yet, and, and I think that's just because we're feeling out divided government for the first time in in with, with divi- uh, you know a Democratic mm-hmm. House and a Republican Senate in, in ten years. But the first law that was signed, and there a lot of hoopla was made about it, and for for good reason is. Um, was a bill from, from Kim Ward, I mentioned the Senate president pro tempore who herself is a breast cancer survivor, which basically mandated that insurance policy to offer in the state uh, cover genetic testing for uh, a, a, the BRCA uh, gene, which can be a sign that you are a higher risk of breast cancer. Uh, also for men, I believe prostate cancer as well. And, and also that insurers have to cover ultrasounds and MRIs just for, for screening for high, the people who are at high risk. Um, um, this is a bill that has been, you know, uh, it's a slightly different form than we've seen in other states, but like, you know, breast cancer advocates broadly want to see legislation like this passed because, I mean, I think just most people who don't want to have uh, cancer uh, have wanted this passed because as a way to, you know, make sure they're safe. And, you know, insurance lobby is pretty powerful up here in Harrisburg and they they were neutral on the bill. It got through unanimous. And, you know, I think there was a lot of there was a lot of talk at that press conference, which was like forever ago in May about how this is how Harrisburg could work. We haven't seen that energy quite that much since then. Uh, uh, a lot of really thorny issues have passed either the Senate of the house and then got stuck. I mean, you know, uh, a, a ban on safe injection sites out of the Senate, um, the, the aforementioned minimum wage increase out of the House. But uh, you know, I, I I will agree with you that you know there's a you know I, I think I said that like you you elect lawmakers in the hopes they get stuff done. Uh, this budget impasse is is certainly a sign of people working through issues. But I haven't seen anything that makes me think that they're, you know, that it's still early. I'm trying to withhold my judgment on everyone's <laughs> effectiveness until, I, you know, we, we got fall legislating. And also, uh, from my experience, more laws get passed in election year, ironically, because I think everyone's like, oh, God, we got to run for re-election next year. We better have something to run on. So we'll see what happens in the, in the coming months.
0: We'll look forward to that. And look forward to next time. Stephen Caruso, thank you so much.